final segment of this podcast episode on civility is a conversation I had with Eric Gould. Eric wanted to be really clear that he was representing himself and not KBNF or his role as a reporter. However, he was able to really share some of his experiences that he has had in that role. Eric's conversation mine is very self-reflective, and I hope everybody enjoys this honest conversation between the two of us. Cool. How's that? Perfect. All right. Look at that. We finally are ready Yay. to roll. Thank you, Eric. Oh, and thank you. Hey, before we get um, started with this, I listened to the um, report you did on the civility meeting last week. Thank you so much. What an excellent story on it. And thank you so much for highlighting those kids. They did such an amazing job. Oh, well, thank you uh, for the invitation. It was really great. I really enjoyed meeting them. You know, I don't usually get caught up in that kind of uh, story with kids or uh, anything, but that, those, those kids are very, very impressive. They really are. And I'm just nonstop amazed by them. So. Um, so yeah, I was really happy to do that. Um, I do want to just before we begin, make it clear that you know I'm here representing myself. Sure. And my opinions and what I might or might not say here on this podcast in no way reflects the opinion of KVNF or its board or its members. Absolutely, and I will make sure that. And that's the same for talking with Pat and Randy at the DCI. Um, they kind of represented, but they also represented their own thoughts. So I will we'll make sure that that's clear. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. And I, hopefully nothing I'm asking you will be uncomfortable. So um, I definitely just want your guys' perspective. So. Yeah, that sounds good. And I, once again, I thank you for the call. I, it's rare that I get interviewed, so I'm kind of... Yeah, I thought, I thought that'd be interesting, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, turning my ringer off because that was me ringing. Make sure all my ringers are off. Um, okay, so I've got this just a handful of questions, and we can certainly digress. And, and so before we jump in real quick, what I'll do is record sort of a, an intro to this segment. Um, I've, talked with, I've talked with you, with Allie, and with Pat and Randy Sunderland. And so I'll have a little intro to it um, at the beginning. Then I'll do segments from my conversations with each of you um, as part of the podcast. And this is totally amateur. So uh, the quality is reflective of that. But, but um, Oh, no problem. It's okay. exciting. You know what? I've never done a podcast before. so I'm Oh, well, cool. I, I've done my third one. So I've done three. <laughs> what is the site that uh, you find them at? You can find them on any podcast platform. And so, well, I, when I go to any of them, so whether it's iTunes or um, Stitcher, Anchor, um, you just go to the search option and type in Delta County and it comes right up. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, it is cool. Um, and, you know, we don't have a ton of views yet, but um, I think we'll keep marketing and and pushing it, we're gonna do another push as soon as this one's ready and hopefully we'll over time see this kind of take off. So that's my hope anyway. And awesome. maybe it'll be successful enough we keep doing it, who knows? Doing yeah, it. for sure. Maybe a lot of people will like it. I think that it uh, has potential. I think so too, I think so 
too. And you know, the county, um, we definitely are trying to communicate using all tools available to us. And this is a new, you know, a new way of trying. So we'll see what happens with it. Um, so, okay, so let's jump into this. So I, I wanted to just set the stage and ask you what the word civility means to you. Um, I think I said this in a few different places, but I feel like I'm shopping for a new car now, or I just got a new car and I'm noticing it everywhere. So this concept of civility, I'm, I'm hearing it and seeing it in all kinds of places. We're obviously not the only community that's thinking about this. And I wanna know what, what, it, what that word means to you to just kind of set the stage. Well, I'm a writer, so obviously words mean a lot to me. And, you know, the definition of civility I've always thought of as just being polite, a certain kind of politeness, uh, respecting people. Uh, but with civility, you know, of course, you have the word civics inside of it. Uh, and so I kind of interpret that to mean politeness, be polite and respectful, uh, when, especially in civil and public discourse. That's kind of what I uh, think about when I think about civility. And also, of course, uh, I think there's an element of being kind that is important that often gets overlooked uh, when just being civil. You know, uh, Kurt Vonnegut, I think, you know, he said it pretty well, just be kind. Yeah. I, that's, that word respect really comes out to me as well in my own definition of it. So I asked you to participate in this and, and the other um, folks that I've talked to in this podcast because you hear and see a lot of different conversations around the county. You talk to a lot of different people. You hear a lot of different stories. And so I just want to know from you, do you see division in our county? And what do you think is driving that division? Okay, this is a really complicated question. And I think there's a lot of ways that I could answer it. It also has to relate to your question that's gonna come later about what role does the media play. But in terms of division in the county, absolutely, I do see several of them. I see a division between old and young. I see a division between rich and poor. I see a big divide between history compared to the future. There's a lot of people who believe in history and think tradition is a very good thing, as I do believe that very much so. And there's also a lot of people in the county who are about the future. We need to think and start planning for the future rather than revering the past as much as we do. I think that's definitely a divide. Um, to me, the fundamental issue is that Delta County is poor. We're one of the poorest counties in the entire state of Colorado. And in such kind of environments, divisions become pretty clear and oftentimes become hard to get over I th and definitely hard to talk about. So it makes me sound kind of negative, uh, this answer, but yeah, I definitely see a lot of division in this county. And, and you answered the what drives that. Um, thank you. I, um, I've, I've heard some similar things from others. Um, I'll, here, I'll give you the opportunity to, to talk about the positive on that too. Um, I didn't have this as a pre-prepared question for you, but um, what are the positive things in that, you know, that, that's out there that you see that could bring our county together and maybe get past some of that division? I think that appreciation for the past and respect for 
our elders is an extremely important thing. I think that, you know, we don't have to revere the past in the sense that we don't have to repeat it, but not forgetting that we have a very big population of senior citizens in this county, many of whom are part of families that have lived in this part of the world for a long time, definitely generations. I think that is a positive thing, absolutely. I think history is important. I think people need to, to cling to their past and there's a lot of people around here who do. I think that is a positive because we have that shared history. Um, other positives that I've seen as part of the, you know, when you have a division, of course, the other side of that is you have unity and there are unified groups of people throughout Delta County for sure. Um, they just happen to have very different opinions from each other and that often causes conflict. So it's, that's what I meant when I was saying it's a difficult question because there's negatives about these divisions, but there's positives in my opinion about them as well. Yeah. Uh, and maybe people don't emphasize that enough, what we have in common rather than what makes us different. Very good. So we have this really challenging conversation coming our way um, this summer about the county updating our land use regulations. It's a conversation that that has a bit of a past around it. Um, efforts in the past to have conversations like this have been very difficult. Um, from your perspective, what are some steps that the public could take to make sure that their ideas and messages are heard? And what does that even mean to be heard? Um, does it mean I get my way or can it mean something else? I think first and foremost, the public can participate more. There's a whole bunch of public meetings and opportunities to go and have your voice heard. And in most of these public meetings, they will go on the record. I think that when I was a town councilman in Paonia from 2012 to 2016, it certainly did amaze me that no one comes out to these meetings. And that's still true. Most of the time, you can count on two members of the media, myself and the DCI, and there's maybe two or three other people who are like old reliable watchers of the council and they're there every week but otherwise people don't go unless there's an issue that affects them directly which of course i can understand but more participation creates more chances for your voice to be heard i think that's the biggest thing the public can also help out the conversation by respecting what other people have to say for sure. And that's what gets into your your question about what does it even mean to be heard or to hear your voice. There's definitely a difference between listening and hearing. And I think a lot of that comes down to some the basic stuff like water, for example. The fundamental issue of our time in Delta County is water and its conservation. And if you're talking about the fracking argument commissioners or other officials can sit and listen to the public and hear what they say because by law they must and it gets onto the record and they're listening and they're being respectful but do they actually hear what is said and that to me is the whole water argument do you actually hear how much water is used and wasted in this fracking situation it is astounding 
and the fact that they're talking about driving them in these trucks up and down the highway, which already is old and falling apart and cannot sustain the kind of traffic they're talking about. Do they hear that? You know, it's just, are they listening? Yeah, they're right in front of people who are saying these things directly into their ears. Do they hear that? It seems to me like no. So yeah, there's definitely a difference between hearing and listening. Um, I think there's a, a difference between listening when you're not really open to other perspectives. If you have your mindset before you hear opinions. And I think that know, goes, sorry, I just, I was just going to jump in. I think that goes both ways too, that, um, you know, the, the listening and the being open to different perspectives, I, I think all sides of all issues struggle with that issue. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, people on both sides of the argument, and this is just natural through what argument is, have their minds pretty much set up before they ever get into the debate. And I think that's true. Yeah. Um, changing a person's mind, very difficult. Very, very difficult. And I guess that's just human nature. Yeah. So you, you just talked a minute about, you know, wondering, questioning whether or not maybe someone like the county commissioners or for that matter, any elected official is really hearing somebody. Um, how, how can we, the county, help those with differing opinions? Because they do exist, participate more effectively in this difficult thing called local government when we do have those differences, um, I see that as one of the key issues. We've got, you know, some folks, you said it earlier, when there's something that is truly, that they're passionate about, that affects them, that they are concerned about, they show up. Um, that doesn't always mean that, that there are others that think differently and they aren't showing up because they, they are confident or comfortable maybe with, with decisions that are being made. How do we help people that are, that want to see a specific outcome participate effectively and then how do we help those that are not participating for whatever reason see the importance of, of joining us in these conversations so that we get that broader base of input happening i think that the county could work on being more approachable um, being more open to alternative viewpoints and perspectives as i mentioned a little bit earlier um, you know, I think about this specific example of the Second Amendment preservation uh, debate as we had now Delta County as the Second Amendment preservation. I think that's, it was really, it really illustrated to me that there is a bully culture in Delta County and it's been that way for a long time. And it's a very difficult thing to talk about because it happens in high schools as well and in junior highs and even elementary schools. It's just part of the tradition out here. It's something I've seen as a sports reporter, which I was for many, many years before I came to the radio station. And in terms of the Second Amendment uh, preservation debate, both in Montrose County and in Delta County, every meeting I went to, uh, the overwhelming opinion was that they should absolutely become a preservation and stand up for the Second Amendment. And there were no one in terms of numbers at these public meetings who spoke out in favor 
of the red flag bill. And really, I think that was because they felt bullied. It's hard to walk into a room with a whole bunch of former army guys and lawmen and very strong opinioned individuals as is brought out in this kind of debate and in that one in particular and feel comfortable saying an opinion that is different from what the rest of the group is saying. It's very, very hard to do that. I would hope that people do feel encouraged because I think the commissioners and other public officials get a bad rap. Uh, they believe that they're scary and they're intimidating and in many ways they are, but they're also very open and they are receptive and they do follow the proper procedures according to their agendas and they do listen to the public and they are open to the public. I wish the public understood that a little bit better and sympathized with that. But at the same time, when you're talking about humans and you know human nature, it's hard to stand up and say your opinion if it's different than everyone else around you. I don't know how to make that easier. I don't know if you can. That's interesting because um, I've kind of heard the opposite I mean, it's the same issue, but it's, but it's the opposite kind of take on something. So, you know, these um, conversations that we have as a county around oil and gas um, or chicken houses, um, I sort of hear that same argument that, that people maybe choose not to come and speak out in favor of those things for kind of feeling that same way because they're, you know, the room tends to be packed with people that feel so strongly opposed to those issues. And so, you know, I, I've heard that same sentiment on those issues. So it's, an, it's a collective problem that we have. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation and maybe spark this conversation about we have tough issues in front of us. And we have the unique ability, I think, as a county to figure out how to get past those kinds of approaches to conversation that are so divisive and as you said earlier try to find ways to come together and find common ground regardless of the issue i mean those are all hot button issues that that get people kind of standing off in separate corners and and i understand that and i i don't think that's going to change but i wonder if we can't figure out a way to have a better dialogue about it and i think it means that we the county um, need to continue to try to make ourselves available in meaningful ways, um, make our meetings more effective, and then I think a call to the community to participate, um, I'm going to use your words from the beginning, more kindly, it's not even a word, just approach these in a, in a more respectful manner on all sides, um, or we're gonna do nothing but continue to draw some lines in our community. And I struggle to see how that helps any of us. Yeah, and I agree, it's definitely, it goes both ways and it's dependent on the issue. Uh, for the oil and gas, for example, and the fracking, you know, I've had people tell me who work in the oil and gas industry, and I have many friends who do so, that going to a public meeting in certain parts of this county is very rough for them because they're not treated well. And I sometimes forget that, honestly. It's as hard for them as it is for the other side. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I, need, I really need to work on being more sympathetic toward that view, even though I disagree with it. These are people, they're working people, they have families, and they live here too. And I really 
hope that we can find a common ground there. Yeah. Agreed. And I, I, you know, I just look at, an, you know, another difficult conversation. I hope this one won't be as difficult as it's been in the past, but um, it has a history of being a difficult conversation. And I just hope that maybe this is a chance for us as a county to really come together and respect differing opinions, differing values, different fears, and find some solutions that work for most of us, find that common ground. Um, and find a way forward through it so that it doesn't have to feel like there are winners and losers, um, that it feels like we're just making progress as a county. Yeah, that's why I really liked uh, those kids a couple nights ago, those LULAC kids. They uh, really helped my perspective about having sympathy for other people. I mean, just try and think about how it's hard for everybody. Yeah. Yeah the kind of suffering that I personally deal with is nothing even remotely similar to what these teenagers are dealing with who might have their family members get deported. You know, we live in different worlds, but we can understand each other's pain yeah. for sure. And so hopefully some kind of human dialogue can get created out of that. Agreed. So, I'm going to ask you this last question, and I know you made it clear that you're um, participating in this and representing yourself and, and not the uh, media outlet that you work for. Um, so respecting that, but to the extent you're comfortable answering this, I want to get your perspective on the role that media plays in some of these dynamics that we have, not just in our community, but in our country. And, and then how do you see social media fitting into this conversation too? Well, I really appreciate this question. Of course, it's an absolutely huge issue and having been a journalist for 20 years, well, one who got paid, I've been a working journalist since I was 16 years old. I am very, very frightened and dismayed at the culture that gets created when our president calls the media public enemy number one. That's very disturbing to me. And I have been scared in meetings before because there is a lot of hatred for the media and I understand it completely. This is a rough time. Well, I don't know if rough, it's not the right word. This is a coincident, coincidental time that you're asking me this question because just this week, uh, my boss got a rather opinionated letter about my coverage of the Hotchkiss event when Carrie Donovan came out to visit. And I realized because of that letter that absolutely, yes, I have a very big role to play as a media member. I think it's just one role. Everyone has a role to play and that's how social media gets into it. If you wanna voice your opinion about the public events or discourse or whatever is happening in this world, you or anyone can because of Facebook. That's what it's done. It's made a true democratic process come to life because if you have a voice, you can be heard. And people want to talk and people want to say things. And I have no problem with that because of course it's a First Amendment right that we do so. I was just thrown into a 
cloud of confusion, I guess, uh, because I really did ponder my role. And we're using the same kind of terms that were expressed in this letter, which is the letter writer believed that KVNF, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say that this letter writer believed that I presented my own perspective in the story and interjected myself in the story and I look to divide people. And boy, I really don't. I do not. That is not my goal as a journalist or as a human being. Uh, I absolutely want to unify rather than divide. But I, firm, I, I believe that my job is to realistically portray human beings in these stories that matter to everyone. And I will do my best to do so. I absolutely have no interest to divide, but I understand why people would think so because the media has such a bad reputation and the media has failed in so many ways. But on the other hand of it, the media has and still does serve a very important function to be a watchdog and to present these stories of people, human beings, being impacted by these stories that we talk about in the news on a local and national level. And my goal as a media member will always be to unite. It would never be to divide. And I needed to be reminded of that. So that person out there who wrote that letter, thank you. Interesting. I think that that's, um, I've had some feedback recently on some of my work too, and I think you have to take that stuff to heart and, and do that self-reflection on it. And, you know, I watch um, what happens on social media or just people's reactions to stories. And it just reminds me how, how emotional all these issues are and reminds me how critically important it is that we respect other people's perspectives and opinions on something um, and, and respect, respect to, you know, respectfully disagree. I, I don't know how else to do it other than to agree to disagree and not feel compelled to change people's minds. Um, I've said this over and over and over again. Um, you know, my role with the county, I, I don't get to be political. I certainly have political opinions, but my job is not to be political. My job is to, is to facilitate conversations, it's to implement the regulations that have been adopted by the elected officials current and past, and, and to try to do so in the most objective way possible. Um, but even though you think you're trying to do that, it's not always perceived that way. And so we have to be very cognizant, cautious, and careful how we do that so that that people can feel that level of trust and 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 know that we're doing our best all the time even if they don't agree with it and, and i think that's what we've got to get to a point is is trusting that everybody no matter what their opinion is that we're all doing our best and we are all trying our hardest and we all want good things for delta county we all want good things for delta county citizens yeah, absolutely. And I think just this last note on social media, the thing that makes it so vile, in my opinion, I'm not even on Facebook myself, is that it makes it so easy for people to be mean. 
Like you can sit at a computer screen and type all you want when you're at home and in the comfort of your own home surrounded by people who agree with you. But what that does is it makes it so they type these things that they would never say to your face. They just wouldn't. And that is one of the things that kills me. Come to a public meeting, say your opinion, and look these people in the eye. Because it's a lot harder to be mean when you're doing that. It's much easier, in fact, to show civility and respect. Yeah. And it's just the the social media boy, when I was a town counselor, those four years were some of the worst of my life because of some of the things these people said on the panel and message board. It was awful and personal. And I don't wish that on anyone. And that's the reason why I got off Facebook. Yeah, it, it's hard. And um, I think that goes back to what you said earlier about, I don't, you know, whether it's a trustee or a council person or an elected official or a state representative, these guys are humans and they've, there's something in their DNA that has, and you've done it before too, that has said, I think I could, I have something to contribute and I'm going to go do that. And it's a tough job. And um, my job is both to help try to make it easier for them, but it's also to make it easier for the public. And I'm trying to figure out the best way to do that. So. Yeah, it's a tough position to be in. You're in between two warring camps. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. But, you know, it's okay. Again, maybe with, you know, that objectivity and trying to be neutral, which can be hard. Um, that That's what we should, we as staff should be bringing to the table so that we can help those conversations find their way forward. Well, um, I think you can tell a difference already. A lot of people are much more open to discussion and coming to meetings than they were when I, you know, say five years ago. Good. I hope so. And I hope it continues yeah. to get better. And, um, you know, this group of commissioners that we have right now, um, they, I, I see, I don't know if the public sees, but I see some significant effort and some real willingness to make adjustments and um, I think they need to feel and hear from those that do recognize that they need to hear that because um, I think they hear more often that it's not enough. And if nothing that they're doing is ever enough, um, what's the motivation to continue to work towards improvement? Um, and, and they're trying and we're not always successful. We don't always get it right. That's okay. And, and I think that that's part of what everybody in this community needs to know and hear is it's okay to sometimes not be successful as long as we're continuing to work towards being better. Um, and, and I, I think one thing, one thing that hurts the county commissioners is very similar to here in Paonia, the town council. There's a couple moments in our past that we're not proud of and bad things happened. And people have long memories around here. Yeah. There's inherent distrust between the government board and the people that has to be gotten over from the beginning. And I think we're doing better with that. Time passes, board members change, it gets easier. But there's still that idea that people remember the bad parts, of course, much more than they do the good. Yeah, and they hold the current folks accountable as if they were there when, when those things happened. Exactly. Yeah. And that makes it hard. And, you know, I think being uh, an elected official, you just, just got to have a thick skin at some, I mean, you wouldn't do it if you didn't have a thick skin and, and they intuitively know that. But, um, 
you know, whether it's Paonia Council or Hotchkiss Council or City of Delta or the County Commissioners, um, there I see significant effort on everybody's parts to try to figure out positive steps forward. And I just hope our community can get behind those positives, but continue to hold everybody accountable for when things don't go right. That should always continue. Um, but but let's let's help each other through the positive too. Yeah, and treat each other with respect and just be nice. Yep, it would be, it would be. And, and we, we do that sometimes. And when we do, it's amazing what happens. So, Eric, thank you so much. Um, hey, I really appreciate you. your willingness to do this with me. Mm -hmm.